Welcome everyone to On Podcast, your Microsoft podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your host today, Kareem Anderson, and I'm joined by David Allen. The fun one is back. Hope everybody's doing well this week. Yeah, we have another busy week of news. I feel like I say that all the time, but it is very true this week. Uh, we are going to be covering uh, all kinds of stuff, stuff about Microsoft's earnings, about OpenAI, about uh, Microsoft 365, what's going to be happening with the new Edge browser, all that kind of stuff. So uh, stay tuned uh, if any of those things interest you. If not, maybe something else I haven't mentioned uh, might be in the discussion or maybe just some kind of tangent we go on might be intriguing. But uh, let's get started with our opening discussion, which is Microsoft earnings for Q2 2023. Uh, and Microsoft faced some headwinds in its hardware and Windows business while its cloud growth helped stabilize the company's overall revenue growth for its second fiscal quarter of 2023. If that all sounds like Wall Street mumbo jumbo, basically Microsoft's having an issue with its consumer division. Uh, and a lot of that's kind of starting to, you know, start it because of post-pandemic PC sales, which took a nosedive, uh, especially in this quarter, which uh, Microsoft's through, you know, Q2 goes between, I think it's, uh, what is it, October, November, December. So the holiday quarter, uh, which is never a good sign because that's when everyone kind of does gangbusters. I mean, I'm sure when Apple does its quarterlies uh, next week or whatever, that it's going to see, you know, kind of crazy growth or whatnot. Um, so, uh, that's when you know Xboxes are being sold. People are buying you know s hardware stuff like that. Not necessarily back to school laptops, but either way, Microsoft should be seeing an increase in that, and they didn't. Uh, so some more details. While Microsoft's overall revenue growth ticked up about two percent, uh, and that's when you count cost of currency year over year for the company. They hauled in about fifty-two point seven billion on net income uh, of a. Uh, sorry, 52.7 billion uh, revenue on a net income of 16.4. Uh, it could have been delivered, you know, it could have been, I guess, better had they had had they not had a noticeable 39% decline in Windows licensing as well as revenue for uh, the company. Um, perhaps a direct line of causation, Microsoft might point to is, again, the recent reports of PC shipments declining. Uh, I believe with this report by Canalis, uh, which they say they're, the shipments are down by 16%. Uh, Gartner says they're down by as high as 29%. Um, you know, this whole methodology, how they get those numbers. But either way, that's affecting, um, obviously, Microsoft's uh, Windows licensing uh, business, uh, both consumer and business. Uh, when you dig further the numbers, there's a line, line item nugget about the Xbox hardware also not doing very well. It tallied up about a 30% decline. Um, coupled with a 12% drop in Xbox content uh, and services revenue. So again, not only is the hardware not doing well, but Game Pass, which I guess, well, not necessarily Game Pass, but uh, just buying online services and things like that didn't do uh, what was projected. Now, Microsoft is saying as part of the silver lining for that decline is that uh, Xbox Game Pass has helped to offset further decline. So, uh, you know, people are just, you know, they're, staying subscribed they're playing the current games on the system they may not be buying more you know those 67 dollars games uh lastly um microsoft you know i kind of give you some quick numbers microsoft's intelligent cloud was up about 18 percent these are the things that were good on the uh quarter uh so again uh, azure's doing gangbusters so while it's still growing the growing is a little bit you know uh smaller than it was last year but still up like i said about 18 percent 
uh, office uh, commercial, which is, again, all businesses, that's up about 10%. I don't know how many new seats they've added, but that's up. Microsoft Dynamics and LinkedIn grew by 13 and 10% respectively. Uh, the revenue in productivity and business processes was about 17 billion, uh, which is an increase of about 7% uh, year over year. Um, server products increased about 20% uh, year over year. Uh, like I said, revenue in uh, personal computing was about 14.2 billion, which is a decrease of 90% from year over year. So uh, the big takeaways, and I'll let you get into this, is that Microsoft sees uh, its future in obviously cloud and cloud is keeping it stabilized. Uh, it had a big sort of a, a recognizable slip when it comes to consumer stuff, which might have prompted their discussion about a hardware pivot that we talked about last week when they had all the layout stuff. What's your take? Well, I think it's positive at this point that these companies, Microsoft or anyone that is seeing any gains that are noticeable, we've got inflation that is an issue. We've got, as you mentioned, COVID. Everybody bought everything under the sun under COVID, whether you were buying Xboxes, whether you were buying cell phones, whether you were buying PCs, laptops, notebooks, Windows licensing. You know, the, these companies were moving their stuff to the cloud if they weren't already faster than they ever could because that was how we were going to get the you know remote workforce in there we were buying office 365 licenses the businesses were because the, you know companies had to keep going so the fact that we consider ourselves post pandemic and we're seeing something still positive i think is a good sign because we've got to get through the life cycle of the money spent during COVID, and I was kind of expecting this to some degree. In fact, I had mentioned it to a, another colleague of mine. You didn't see consumers pulling things off the shelves as rapidly this holiday season as we had in the past, and I think that fell back to COVID. Sure, we didn't have the money maybe that we have had in the past due to inflation, but we bought the Xboxes to have something to do while we were at home on COVID. We bought the gaming PCs, this software title. So I think we're, you know, no CEO is happy with a drop anywhere in any company. But I think Microsoft is where they're expected to be to some degree, even that they may not come out and say that. Sure, they'd love to put more money on the books, but I think it's an expectation for everybody across the book. Uh, unless there's the fruit. Now, the fruit next week, they're probably going to announce some crazy earning number, you know, where they've sold millions of products. It's going to be interesting to see what does Apple look like next week? Well, I mean, to that point, uh, everyone else has been down. The market has been down. Tech companies that have reported this week have all been down. Google's down as well. Um, Apple, I believe, will, you know, like Apple always beats its own expectations, but I believe the, the level to which it will beat it will be very low because we were getting a report, I believe just today or yesterday, talked about how phone smartphone shipments are relatively down. Uh, so, and you know, we know that Apple does at least 60 to 70% of its uh, profit and revenue come from just the iPhone alone. So uh, we'll see how much that affects them. Um, but to wrap this kind of up, you know, again, this isn't a doom and gloom. Uh, Microsoft stock has been kind of on a roller coaster 
uh, after, you know, uh, post uh, the reporting and after the earnings call as well. Uh, just to give you some numbers, Microsoft returned 9.7 billion to shareholders uh, in the form of share purchases and dividends in the second quarter of fiscal year 2023, which is a decrease of about 11% compared to the second quarter of fiscal year 2022. So again, 11%. But uh, after immediately after the reporting, the stock was up because again, Microsoft and I, I believe investors were seeing that the potential of uh, Chat. Uh, GPT and OpenAI, even though Microsoft's hardware is down, you know, Microsoft isn't, you know, they don't have a big foot in uh, consumer uh, oriented businesses. And, you know, while the products, you know, we like to talk about took the big hit, they're, again, cloud is growing. And that $10 billion deal with OpenAI uh, to, you know, that's kind of put Google on its back foot, investors saw big. Then, after the earnings report or after the earnings call, the numbers went down because Sachin Nadella uh, is kind of signaling that, you know, they're going to have a rocky potentially. Uh, now, to which degree? We don't know. I think cloud is still growing. Uh, but as far as hardware is concerned, we don't know that the surface lineup is in question. HoloLens, which was a big, probably a big part of their uh, budgeting for the fiscal year this year. Uh, they didn't get the $400 million con or yeah, they didn't get their $400 million contract that they thought they were going to get for that. They've had to scale back massively on that thing as well. Uh, so we don't know, you know, where they're going to, you know, start to see, you know, this bumpy road, but at least for the next two years. So uh, if you're an investor, uh, just keep an eye out uh, for Microsoft uh, to see how this open AI project kind of grows. And I have some notes in our, you know, headline our headlining section about the potential open AI as well. So Let's get into our headlines. What do you got for us? All right. I've got a few different things today. And I'm going to start with something simple because I think this is important. This is a short headline, but I think it's important for a lot of people. Snippet, as we have talked about on a previous podcast and in some of our previous posts on the website, that is the built-in screen capture tool for Windows that Microsoft has given us. And... Recently, it picked up the ability to do video recordings, which is good if you're doing tutorials or needing to, to show someone how to do something. You can do a down and dirty screen record without having to buy third party piece of software such as Camtasia and some of the other ones out there. I know Camtasia itself is a good piece of software, but a little bit pricey, but with Snippet for just everyday use, you don't have to do that. And coming soon, you're going to be able to pause that recording, which is always good when you need to change something in your tutorial or maybe move some windows out of the way or, you know, maybe catch a text message that pops up in your phone link app. You never know. But that is coming soon here shortly in the beta channel and that was found by someone on twitter by the name of phantom ocean 3 and that will bump your new build to let's make sure i get this build number right it will bump your build to 22 22.12.24.0 so be on the look look out for that if you're in the beta channel it has not made it to full release but that is expected sometime soon i know that's something that i use every day in the beta channel and being a part of the windows insider program and if i was not a part of the program i would be waiting with bated breath for that one 
Yeah, uh, I'm excited for it. Um, I am a person who uses OBS a lot. Uh, I don't yes. know about the rest of anyone who's watching this or anything like that, but I feel like it's gotten much buggier since this big update, this new UI change. It crashes a lot. I've been looking for alternatives. Uh, the only issue I'm having with uh, you know snip and sketch screen recording is that it doesn't do audio. If it does audio, I'm going to jump to that immediately. So I like seeing that right they're away. inching their way to kind of be feature parodied with this. So uh, yeah, everyone be on the lookout for it. Uh, could be pretty awesome. Um, I got... Like I said, big news about OpenAI and Microsoft's extended partnership, which is now official. Uh, we talked about this last week about Microsoft potentially uh, pitching in $10 billion in an investment investment round. Uh, looks like Microsoft has confirmed that. Microsoft may be set to usher in a world of conflict with human producers of content as it makes its relationship with artificial intelligence business OpenAI public to the tune of about $10 billion. And I say, conflict because we're, I'm going to explain to you, you know, we're starting to get see some headlines about this. We reported last week that Microsoft was set to close on the proposed deal. Um, what that deal would do was it would give Microsoft, uh, it would basically rake in 70% of OpenAI's profits until it recouped its investment, uh, investment round money from Microsoft. Uh, then once it does, then the split between Microsoft and the other investment groups kind of goes to a little a little more fair, but I think Microsoft retains about 49% of it while the other investors kind of split the other half. And I think 2% goes to OpenAI's uh, parent business or whatever that is. Uh, some of the details surrounding the cemented partnership include Azure becoming OpenAI's exclusive cloud partner. So there's no way for Google to get into this, uh, which may be why, like you said, they had the uh, original co-founders or whatever uh, come back to kind of figure out, okay, one, how do we come up with a technology uh, to, comp to compete against this? Two, is there a way to kind of inch into this partnership and maybe you know get ourselves a piece of this open AI project? Doesn't look like it so far. We don't know how long the contract is for, this partnership is for, as far as exclusivity is concerned. Um, Microsoft and OpenAI have in recent years collaborated on other AI projects that are just getting steam with the public, which is Dolly uh, 2, which is an AI system that creates images when fed natural language uh, descriptions, and Copilot, which is another meshing of AI and natural language integration that uh, creates automated open source code uh, for projects like scripting, if you're doing dialogue for gaming, if you are trying to just build up templates for certain things, you can just go in. Uh, describe this in, in GitHub and, you know, it'll grab all of the source code that can help build that and spit out something for you and you know, save you time on doing the menial labor of that kind of stuff. Now, what I was referring to about it, you know, this conflict is, however, in the past couple of weeks, we've seen stories surface of large scale use of OpenAI's largest, uh, latest effort with uh, ChatGPT, which is resulting in a slew of writers uh, from different publications being fired as the you know businesses are realizing that they can replace the writers with open uh chat yeah open gpt uh or chat gpt uh i think cnet uh i think the verge wrote about a cnet uh basically story where they had you know fired i think it was 70 percent of their staff and replaced them with uh these chatbots that are just writing you know articles that are basically feeding into so there's a secondary component to this which i believe is uh, they uh, make money on affiliate links for real estate or something of that nature. Anyway, they're basically replacing writers with these chatbots uh, to just push affiliate links. And so uh, if this trend continues, Microsoft now being the owner of, or not owner, but I guess larger stakeholder in this, will become the face of OpenAI 
uh, and chat GPT and all of the good and bad that comes with it. So they may be at the epicenter of potential protests from workers as they see their jobs getting replaced, you know, either uh, as a developer who's, you know, using uh, uh, GitHub and now they no longer, the companies realize I can just go in and type what I need and I don't need a, an engineer for this or a developer for that. Or, you know, if they're using Dolly and you're saying, hey, I don't need an artist for this, or if they're using ChatGPT chat, chat GPT and saying, I don't need a writer for this, Microsoft will be behind all of that. What are your thoughts? I have watched this chat GPT and OpenAI thing very closely since it came out and, you know, it came into the beta there that has been public use. Over the past week when trying to use it, I have noticed I've gotten a lot of overloaded messages, which, you know, maybe a telltale sign of things to come because you know i'm sure there's millions of people out there asking it millions of questions and i'm gonna kind of tack on to the end part of what you were talking about there as great as chat gpt is and open ai can be and probably will be i do think it is a threat to some people's positions so how some people handle things professionally such as you mentioned some of these developers out there you know some of these systems administrators out there you know when you can take somebody untrained and open them a window of chat gpt and kind of give them a pseudo training if you will you know a company can pay that person a lot less money than somebody that is a 10-year seasoned veteran in there sad to say folks but companies are going to use these things to benefit their business, yes, and offer more products and services and more efficient products and services. But if they can use it and save money, like we were just talking about financials, that's gonna happen too. Now, where this goes, the door has just cracked as far as I'm concerned. I don't even think the door is fully open yet. Google's going to have theirs, I'm sure, as you were mentioning with the partnership. Google really doesn't have a visible way in right now. Amazon, I'm sure, is sitting over there watching what Microsoft and Google are up to, and they're going to have something. And I wouldn't even count Apple out of this deal. Apple will have something. They'll turn Siri on its head. Maybe that's why Siri has stunk for the last few years compared to some of the others out there. Maybe they know something's coming. So... I'm interested. I think if you start seeing AI come into your job field and seeing companies use it, I'd be a little concerned. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be bluntly honest with you. I'd, I'd be, I'd be concerned because these companies are going to use what's given. Now, there's one catch. OpenAI right now, ChatGPT. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kareem. It has been free so far because it's in beta. Eventually. Right eventually there's going to be a charge for this now i've seen something as low as a few cent per query has come out i've seen a few things higher i've seen where you might be able to buy queries in blocks so the pushback may be there's going to be some financial gain for the developers of OpenAI. so what is that going to be is it going to be something that these companies are willing to pay for how is that what is that pricing model we'll have to wait and see well i mean this is just like a drug dealer they give us chat gpt for free and then once we get hooked on it once we're 
you know, using it to write all our term papers and produce all our articles, they up the fee. And maybe Microsoft does its, you know, bait and switch like it normally does and says, hey, if you want any piece of this, any more of this, guess what? Microsoft 365, buddy. That's what right, I was Microsoft about to say. 365, you no longer need to write your own stuff. And you can do it on you can do it while you're chit chatting on teams about something else. And and they may say, look, and now this is just an example, folks. They may say, look, you know, get the E three subscription, the E four subscription, the E five, whatever you know, whatever they choose mm-hmm. and say, look, it, it's bundled in. If the price is right, businesses are gonna jump on that. Oh yeah, big time. Uh, what do you guys you got for us? Well, I'm going to do one more productivity, then I promise you folks, Mr. Fun will do a little bit of some gaming here. All right, here are what's announced is coming to Microsoft 365 this week. Looks like OneNote is finally getting a Teams viewer in the mobile app. Can't wait to see that because as far as I know right now, you cannot open up a OneNote notebook inside of Teams on mobile. I know for our organization, we use OneNote pretty heavily, so that would be something that I personally cannot wait to see. We expect to see that toward the end of February. Now, the other thing for my personal workflow here with Teams is being able to Specify the download location when you download something in Teams. Right now, it automatically defaults. I believe it defaults to your OneDrive storage space. You will actually be able to go in and change that destination. Personally, I think that's pretty cool. I think that's a lot of th- something I hear a lot of people ask for. Some of us just want to drop it in the downloads folder. I don't know about you, but I use kind of my downloads folder sometimes as a junk folder. Kind of everything falls in it. I get what I need out of it. If it's imported, I move it to its proper location. Otherwise, what's left kind of becomes delete when I feel like cleaning off my hard drive. So I'm kind of I'm kind of cool with being able to specify where we can put those files when we download them in teams now one more microsoft is introducing OneDrive home and a new landing experience microsoft has overhauled the OneDrive commercial landing experience in bid to enhance to a new user experience to allow users to find files they want with ease thank you microsoft sometimes those files are hard to find The new OneDrive Home experience surfaces your most recently used files along with relevant file activity you can see at a glance. Well, I don't necessarily know what this is going to look like yet, but I am a OneDrive user. I have several OneDrive accounts. I'll be the first to say it would be nice for my most recent files. And when you get a OneDrive full of files, to be able to search and find things a little quicker. I will say, sorry, Microsoft, sometimes finding things in, hate to say it, Google Drive is a little bit quicker and a little bit easier. So maybe Microsoft can close that gap a little bit for me. 
that is the idea. That's all great. Uh, I'm looking forward to all of that. Uh, speaking on the productivity side still, uh, I'm talking about Microsoft Edge implementing split tabs, I guess, in the same window browser. And I believe this may be uh, a shot for Mac OS users who might have trouble uh, doing the window management on Mac, uh, Mac OS. I know my wife, I've been trying to get her to use Edge and she's like, you know, there's no real difference between Edge and Safari, but now she won't necessarily need to kind of manually place all these things. She'll be able to open up uh, an instance of Edge and then have a split view uh, that resizes dynamically uh, as she's kind of searching. So again, it's Microsoft's doing the whole like, I think we watched that show Pit My Ride back in the day where exhibits like, hey, you know, we heard you wanted something, something, and you're something, something. That's what Microsoft is saying. Hey, you wanted more windows in your windows, so we added windows in your browser. Uh, so you'll be able to, again, be able to do different tabs that have a split view, uh, which is great if you're doing research, if you're uh, writing like us and you need to reference other articles or links, things like that, and jump back and forth, you no longer necessarily need to do it from tabs. It keeps the desktop a little bit cleaner than, you know, having things all over the place or having to, if you're using touch uh, or just using your mouse, finding that navigation pane on the window from left, right, top, four, split corner, three, three split or whatever, you don't have to do any of that anymore. Uh, if you're trying to experience this, Edge Insiders in the Canary Channel, which is uh, where it's being tested at right now, uh, can access this feature by enabling the Microsoft Edge split screen flag. Uh, so again, if you're in, you go download Canary, uh, Edge Canary, then in the URL section, type in uh, Edge colon backslash backslash flags, and that should bring you up to that. And then uh, when you see the menu, there's a search option, type in split screen or split uh, you should see that option. It'll say default or enable. Enable it. Uh, it'll restart the browser, and then you'll be able to kind of. There'll be a little button off to the right of your URL uh, uh, UI. Click on that, and you'll be able to start split screening left and right. Uh, there's no back button for this, so if you're in a split screen mode, just know that you're either gonna have to close out of it, or yeah, basically close out of it because you're not gonna be able to go back in an instance on either one of those. So. Uh, I've tried it. I actually just used it a little bit before as we were kind of building out uh, the script for this. Uh, it's awesome. I would advise more people to go try and uh, test it out. I've used it limited. I uh, read about it, I believe it was yesterday when we wrote about it. Uh, Might have been the day before. But uh, I used it briefly, and I agree with you. Very cool feature. It's worth the effort to go use the flags to enable it. And for me... I'm going to have to tell on myself here, folks. I have recently become a full-time Edge user. I did use that other browser that starts with a C. And <laughs> mainly because of its ability to sync things. I mean, but mm -hmm. Edge has really caught up in the browser market quite a bit. Edge is a little bit quicker. And it's nice to see some browser innovation we've been using the same browser basically across the board for the last few years choose your branding which one do you like do you like the google do you like the edge do you like the firefox it's good to see something like split tabs just something different <laughs> i mean the, the the web is changing every day but i'm noticing the way we view the web if you think about it has stayed the same for quite some time now. We could go down the road if we saw 3D laptops at CES, but I'm not going to go there completely. That is off in left field, but that is, you know, maybe we're starting to see something change, and I'm all for it. Like I said, 
we're a Microsoft shop, and I felt kind of bad using Chrome on you guys. So I, I in the last few weeks, I kind of did the old thing. Trader. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I did trade for a while. And, <laughs> you know, I did own a Chromebook for a while. So I guess that's going to be my excuse. I'm sorry. Don't worry. I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I would edit out this whole section. It's going to be like, <laughs> I did own, and it's going to go to the next part of what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, uh, I have switched, and uh, I'm pleasant. I'm happy with the switch so far. That's good. So good I'm happy to see see these features. Uh, in an effort to end on a fun note, I'm going to do my next section real quick, and then we can do your ending with gaming. Um, what uh, the next headline I have is basically Microsoft's significant update to File Explorer, which is you know I think Zach Bowden over Windows Central uh, got some uh, mockups of what this is going to look like. Uh, basically, what we have is not a full-on, you know, concept redesign, but they're adding a ton of features and a little bit of UI tweaks to make this thing more modern. Uh, and like I said, according to the report from Windows Central, the Windows 11 team is testing some rather significant updates for the File Explorer that bring a tighter OneDrive integration, new Microsoft 365 features, and I believe the same window, and some UI tweaks. Uh, the updated uh, app will feature a redesigned header with a modern file directory box, a modern search box, a new home button. Uh, the existing header buttons, such as new, copy, and paste, will be moved into the file slash folder view just below the header. So it's a little easier to get to uh, if you didn't know how to navigate File Explorer all that much. Other possible visual, visual updates to the File Explorer include a new recommended file area that will mimic the look of the recently updated Office or Microsoft, I guess now Microsoft 365 app with colorful content thumbnails. So if you are trying to get a feel for this, if I you know, don't put up the image uh, for those for the viewers who are listening, uh, go to the new Microsoft 365 app on Windows. Uh, and that's basically what your file explorer is going to look like. It's going to have these giant thumbnails of saying, hey, you were just playing with this you know, Excel doc, do you want to, you know, try it again? You know, it'll have kind of a thumbnail of it or a PowerPoint or a Word doc, you know, probably a, a text file from Notepad or something like that. Uh, so, you know, it'll, have, it'll be a little more visual in this. Uh, some other things that are going to be coming, uh, I believe, is they're bringing the Microsoft 365 information pane. Uh, will be updated with all of the new things, such as, uh, I believe, it's recent comments, uh, things from email threads. So if you have a document that was used as an attachment email thread, it'll bring over all of the stuff that's been happening in that email as far as the conversation is, if you're sharing it with other people. So you kind of get a feel for it. Um, you also have more collaborative features uh, and more things that are related and a related section. So if it's a doc about expenses, uh, other docs that you have, if you have expenses per month. So, you know, again, if you pull up December's expenses, the recent file section will show. And, and again, this is all in your uh, preview pane will show more recent uh, ones like, oh, do you want to see October's or November's? You know, just to kind of get you in the flow of productivity stuff. Lastly, there will be a gallery view. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry about that. Okay, um, just, I'm just glad to see something different in File Explorer. File Explorer has been the same for years. I've got a video coming out on this, the uh, File Explorer tabs. I mean, that that to me was a leap forward. I've always wondered what, like we were mm -hmm. just talking about, we have tabs in our, we have tabs in our, the way we browse the internet and every device we have, why don't we have them in Word, File Explorer, Excel, PowerPoint, et cetera, et cetera. And there, is, there has been some sort of, like you just mentioned, a disjointing feeling between OneDrive and how your Windows services wrap together in File Explorer to me. 
there's always been just this weird feeling like something is missing. And I think you were about to mention something about photos. And I'm hoping what you're going to mention is they're going to pull photos and just pull everything into a file explorer and kind of have that one hub. Kind of like, um, I don't know what Apple calls it. They've got something called quick search or something that pulls up in the middle of the screen where you can start looking and it pulls up everything associated with what you're looking for. So I'm hoping uh, well, we'll get something like that. Yeah, I mean, here are two things that they're potentially going to bring in, which is a new gallery view. Uh, so while there's a dedicated photos app, I believe Apple has like iPhoto or something like that. There is Microsoft has never had a real convenient way of looking at thumbnails unless you just make them large. Uh, so the new gallery view will be added to File Explorer to help improve the image viewing experience to native uh, to native File Explorer app. Basically, more of a uh, isolated hover over. So when you hover over an image, uh, it will bring it up in the File Explorer so you can see it in full full view. Uh, that's being proposed. Uh, then they're also borrowing the feature from macOS, which is basically being able to manually tag your documents, uh, either with uh, organized categories uh, via keywords or color markers or some other kind of uh, characters. You'll be able to kind of tag these documents so you, know, you won't necessarily have to search, uh, type in the whole thing. You'll be able to type in something that's more um, uh, uh, conducive to your own way that you tag documents or whatever. And I believe macOS already has this in Finder. It's been there for, for decades, so I'm glad Microsoft is finally bringing that to, to the forefront. Again, these are all proposed things coming. Uh, we don't, you know, we're not seeing any of this stuff in testing just yet. Uh, but according to, you know, the Windows Central guys, this should be hitting by the end of this year, whenever we have our next last or last update for 2023 for, you know, whatever moments Windows has in Windows 11. So uh, be on the lookout if you're an insider for some of this stuff starting to trickle through in testing this year. What do you got for us to end up the end of the day? Well, we got something a little fun here. We had, um, Developer, the Developer Direct conference with Bethesda and Microsoft was, uh, what day was that, Kareem? Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday, yes. Yep. And uh, we had mentioned that on last week's podcast that that was coming. And I'm not going to necessarily highlight every title that was mentioned and everything that was mentioned. But I will hit some of the high points. Minecraft Legends which I'm not a big Minecraft player out there, but my nieces and nephews are. But my understanding is this is the PvP type or the the mode of Minecraft. It's going to be called Minecraft Legends. I'm interested to see what this will be. It is coming to, it is coming to us on April the 18th. Kareem, are you a Minecraft player? Let me ask you that before I go any further. Uh, I am not the traditional Minecraft person. I have been playing uh, Minecraft Dungeons recently because it reminds me of like the old Zelda, but with Minecraft aesthetics. So if you're a Zelda player uh, or played games of that nature, this version of Minecraft is pretty awesome. Uh, with that being said, I am looking for Minecraft Legends because it seems to be following the same sort of footsteps of more action oriented uh, than just like straight up building stuff. Uh, I guess I'm just not that creative. Yeah, that that's that was me, man. I'm just not that creative. My my nieces and nephews could sit there and build for hours, and I could never get into it. Speaking yeah. of getting into something, something I can get into is Forza Motorsport. That is the Microsoft slash Xbox racing version, a uh, racing game. I think it's meant to kind of compete with Sony's offering of Gran Turismo. That is coming later this spring. It will be an Xbox Series X, Xbox Series 
S exclusive. We really don't have a release date yet, but we do know we're going to have over 500 cars and 20, at least 20 different racing environments. Can't wait to see that one. That one's on my alley. Then we had one that we talked about today in our um, chat here with on Microsoft. It's called Hi-Fi Rush, and Kareem was mentioning that earlier. It's just a stylish rhythm action game with music where your actions are timed to music, and depending on how close you are to those actions in the music depends on the scoring and the rewards that you get. It did come out as a Microsoft exclusive, if I do, if I do remember correctly. It kind of surprises coming out as a Microsoft exclusive. That's on my list to try this weekend. We talked about it in our grouping. I think we're all going to try it this weekend and give you a write-up next week. Kareem, I think you had a little playtime this afternoon. Yeah, while you, you were setting yeah, while you're setting up, I was procrastinating and playing this game. I at least gone through part of the tutorial. I, I feel like I'm two-thirds of the way through. It reminds me a lot of Sunset Overdrive for those fans of that kind of thing. It's a very, uh, I wouldn't say gimmicky, because they're, the gimmick is basically a button smashing on beat. Uh, but you don't have to have rhythm in order to play this game. It just helps. It adds to, you know, uh, getting bonuses and uh, add different animations, things like that. But so far, the game's super fun. Uh, the writing's fun, funny. Uh, the animation and the style, the artwork and all that kind of stuff, awesome. Uh, the navigations, the buttons are super fluid. So, so far, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, as far as the replayability, you think you and I were talking, I think I'll play through it once. I don't know if I'll, you know, pick it up again. Uh, but again, I haven't gotten that far into it. But it is super fun. And it's also just, again, one of... And a total example of how Game Pass is going to kind of change things going forward. Where again, where it's like a Netflix show. Where, you know, everybody's watching the bigger things with Call of Duty, things like that. Those are things you keep an eye on. And every now and then you get something that goes viral, kind of like this Hi-Fi Rush. I mean, it's all over Twitter. All the Twitter's relatively small, but you know, other social media, people are enjoying this game. And it kind of becomes um, kind of a cult favorite. And this is, you know, the ability you can have when you're able to just kind of push something straight out to people and not have to worry about necessarily recouping uh, a big big marketing budget. You can kind of throw it out there. Like I said, it's on Game Pass. It's on xCloud, so you don't even need to necessarily, uh, you know, download it to your system. If you are if, if you don't have an Xbox and you just want to play it on uh, something like your PC or if you have a Surface Duo or something like that, you'll be able to play these things anywhere. And it's, like I said, it's very casual of a game and very fun it gave me it gave me a memory of angry birds that that type of <laughs> not that type of gameplay folks but that like you were talking about that type of game release something you just push out that's fun maybe it doesn't have a huge developer budget and you're not necessarily worried if there's a bug or two just something you can sit on the couch after a hard day's work and mm-hmm you know, blow off some steam. I know those type of games are very popular with me. Yes. And I did want to bring up, uh, we'll do one out of two. I wanted to bring up one more here. I do, I, I will mention for the Elder Scrolls fans out there, we do have a new chapter of the game called, let me make sure I pronounce this correctly, called Necrom. And that will be coming, let's see, june 20th so if you're a big elder scrolls fan out there you're getting a new chapter to your game 
and that is supposed to be an extension of the previous chapters. Now, folks, I'm going to have to be honest. I'm not an Elder Scrolls player. I tried the game. It's just not my style. And so what's our last game uh, from this event? Our last game is Redfall. Now, if I remember correctly from our discussion earlier in the day, this game is like Starfield. Am I correct there? Incorrect, sir. Redfall is like, uh, oh God, what was it called? Um, it is a vampire shoot 'em up in the vein of uh, Dishonored. Dishonored. Now, if you remember Dishonored, that was that, you know, first-person shooter that had like the old. Uh, I think it was back in the 18th century. That was like the theme or whatever. Uh, Redfall is a, uh, like I said, it's in that same vein. Uh, RPG slash first person shooter uh, and it takes place uh, I think it has to do with vampires or whatnot uh, that game will be out uh, this spring so I'm looking forward to that one okay that was my fault because I, I got that one backwards oh it's, no, know, it's it, it, it makes sense because we also have Starfield which is the other anticipated Bethesda game and that is the one that people are kind of you know questioning whether or not that's going to even come out uh, when it's supposed to be coming out so uh, fortunately one of the games will be coming out on schedule uh looking forward to that and then there's the other game um which you know still questionable but as you know we like to say here let's give the developers time to make these games they come out when they come out hopefully when the the best version of that game no you know fewer day one patches necessary and the livelihoods the life you know work-life balance of these developers needs to get better so if we're not you know crunching them to these deadlines and you know they could you know, ease up with 90 hours and maybe go down to 40 hours, which is normal for most people. I say, you know, let the game slip or whatever the date is. And I'll just play something else until then. It is no sweat off my back. Mine either. And, you know, first impressions on games or everything. If you go check out the Xbox ratings where you can leave your stars and leave your comments. Notice how many of those reviews, folks, are on the first day. And if it's bad on the first day, how many gamers come back? Even if you take a minute and scroll through those reviews, and some games I have, Battlefield 2042 being one of them, the developers worked hard on that game. It was a flop when it came out, but they worked hard on that game after it got released. And the reviews have slowly gotten better. And I feel like... As gamers, if we give these developers time and don't hold them to a specific day, a specific moment, a specific time, we get a better experience. The developers get a little bit of a break. They get a chance to improve the title, not have to fix the title. Cyberpunk. Yep, Cyberpunk. That's a good example. Uh, yeah uh yeah that's that's all i got to say for that one with that being said we want to thank you guys again for joining us for another week uh we will let you get on with your gaming actually so again thanks for for being here you can find me uh at mindhead one where can people find you david pha 1978 right there on twitter yeah, that's right. Both of us are on Twitter. Uh, I don't do very much Instagram, so don't look for me there. Uh, I'll only lurk on TikTok for the funny stuff, so don't look for me there. Twitter is where you can find me. Our website is another place you can find both of us if you want to comment or talk about anything. And uh, we do read the comment sections in on the this YouTube, so if you're uh, watching this uh, as a premiere or anything like that, subscribe if you haven't. Uh, write a comment if you don't want to subscribe. Either way, we love to communicate with you guys. And like I said, 
Go enjoy your games this weekend. See you next week, folks. Have fun. <laughs>